Hello and welcome to Bread. We're a newish, open-minded, spirit-filled, non-denominational church meeting in the Los Feliz area of Los Angeles. We're the kind of Christians who like the Bible a lot, but we're not going to thump you with it. We believe in the world-changing power of Jesus and the present-day work of the Holy Spirit to change things. Right now, the whole world is in a process of adapting to new realities, and so are we. Building community and sharing all this love and power suddenly seems like it might become a bit more challenging. But really, how lucky are we that we're facing all this in the 21st century? Throughout the duration of this new world coronavirus order, we'll be doing all of church online, but we're not afraid. We worship a God who is bigger than all of this, who's seen it all before, and will work all things together for the good of those who love him. We love you, and we're here. Stay in touch and enjoy this podcast. Um, if you don't know Blake, Blake uh, is a psychotherapist who comes to Brett, who's agreed to help us out with this. But um, she and I are sort of kindred spirits in many ways. We are both an Enneagram 4. We're interested in a lot of the same things. We're kind of both newcomers to town. Uh, and we are also the mothers to new puppies. So we always have a lot to chat about. We do. How are you doing this morning, Blake? We're good. We're tired. Um, the dog has a lot of energy, so he has a lot of needy energy. He's great, but needy, so. <laughs> Which I imagine as a therapist taking Zoom calls all day about other people's needs is something that feels great for you. I feel fantastic these days. <laughs> good. Something I was wondering about, and I wanted to ask you before we get onto the questions that people have asked, is um, obviously we know in general that stresses, be they changes, be they um, ways in which we feel isolated, be they um, uncertainty in general, are things that tend to take us to the depths of the things that are there anyway. Is that something that you're sort of seeing a lot in a general way? Yeah, I mean, I think the way that I've been explaining it is, and and seeing it both like for myself and others is kind of this experience of like, whatever our jam is on just a normal everyday, not global pandemic experience, like it's kind of turned up to an 11 right now. Um, So it's pretty loud. And there's just this experience of yeah, like all of our, it's kind of like all of these old defenses are turning are turning up because it's like we don't know. The news changes every single day, so there's nothing consistent. Like we don't have this container to hold us. So yes, what we what normally worked isn't working. We do need more in terms of care and rest. And I think that, yeah, that's been a surprising part is people, like I'm not doing anything all day sh- I, I'm, does this mean I'm lazy or I don't have the capacity to do every, like all the things that I used to do? I'm a lot more tired and groggier, um, which it's like, yes, that's really, that's a norm. I mean, there's no rule book, but just if you look at what's happening, that's like part of the course. And it's one of the things I love about the stuff that you post on Instagram. It's one of the st- things that I need the most from the therapy, I'm in therapy as well, and from, from my therapist is just a reminder to be kind to myself because I feel like in the midst of that to a know that what we're, what's happening is normal and b to just 
give yourself a flipping break is like yes so difficult to remember to do yes I mean it's it's even like my my supervisor reminded me she was like you need to go on a walk for like 20 minutes by yourself she's like the dog doesn't count like by yourself Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're right. I haven't had any alone time in the last six weeks. That might explain some things. Right. Um, so yeah, so much grace, so much kindness, and so much compassion. I think that that's going to be, I don't think that shame is and, and productivity and like go, go, go is really going to help us get through this. No, no it, has, it hasn't been so far. Yeah. <laughs> Good. So um, we have invited people over the last few weeks um, to ask anonymous questions on the website um, in case you don't have access to therapy and in case this isn't language or, you know, people that you follow in general life isn't stuff that you're used to, questions that you're used to answering. So we offered that and we've had three questions come in. So we'll start with the first one. It said, um, with a lot of time on our hands at home, from a therapist perspective, do you have any advice or thoughts on how we can make the most of this? Where to take care of ourselves, where to process, books to read, habits, etc. Hmm. What a great question. Um, it sounds like we kind of started going into it already. Um, I think about on the continuum, if, if you think of mental health on a continuum, you have rigidity on one side and flexibility on the other. Um, I think it's really normal to want to be more rigid in times of like fear and not knowing, um, but it's not actually connected um, or correlated with good mental health. The, it, it's more when we're on the flexibility side, um, which is harder for um, us as perfectionist type A's um, is to be, to be more fluid and flexible. So I think as far as, as routine and schedule, I would say like, Sleep is going to be the most important, but also you might not be getting great sleep and it just is what it is. Um, I mean, in high, the 3.7 earthquakes, just as a little tangent at midnight. That I heard, I heard yeah. about this. I was deep asleep, but my husband told me lots about it. <laughs> I had just gone to sleep and then I did not go to sleep for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that I've slept through or missed every single earthquake here. So I feel really grateful for that. anyway the importance of great sleep but not getting great sleep yeah like it just might it might not happen so maybe uh maybe make use of some melatonin but you know it it, it, you get to decide that um and then as far as just a schedule I think like the looser the better and again like the more gracious you can be the better um especially for folks you know I don't I don't have kids, so I have to imagine this, but I, I think in talking with, with moms, I think that they feel, and you can, you can tell me the weight of this, um, kids aren't going to remember if the kitchen's clean. They're not going to remember if the laundry's done. They're not going to remember if they had this like perfect neat house and this really perfect schedule to go with. I think they're going to remember was my, were my parents a safe place to go to when I was scared and I didn't know. And, and even for our, for our partners and for our friends, so you don't necessarily just have, this doesn't just apply to you if you have kids, but um, are we doing what we need to do to have, to be a safe place for other people? Like, are we taking care of ourselves? Are we resting? Are we at least getting a few minutes of 
quiet to come back to ourselves, um, whether that is the 20 minute walk, I take baths. That's like my silent time. For me, it just keeps coming back down to grace in terms of I had a really, really just low day. Um, One day last week, just Mm -hmm. low. And I feel like when I'm in that state, the thing that causes me so much anxiety is I shouldn't be in this state. This isn't okay. This isn't like, you know, it was kind of like a, I don't really want to go out of bed kind of. Totally. You know, one of those. Um, and then it's, but in the moment, just being able to just have grace for it and go, what is happening is nuts. It's all right that my brain is saying, this doesn't feel okay. Um, Let's just stay in bed. It's okay. And, you know, told the girls I was just feeling really tired and so wasn't worried about what they were seeing. Um, and then just moved through it. And it, so it felt like, that the grace was a massive part of and just being kind to myself was a massive part of um being able to get past it yeah I think I mean I so agree like the to normalize the experience that we're going to have really good days and be fine with it and then kind of out of the woodworks we're going to have these really bad low days um they might be bad hours they might go for periods of time but yeah just to to normalize like it it it's going to feel like a wave. Like we're going to, we're going to coast some, it's going to feel good, but then there, yeah, just to, to have grace that like we will have bad days and that doesn't mean anything about us. Yeah. Yeah. Learning that one. Well, let's go to the second question. Do we want to go, do we want to go back to, I didn't, I forgot the two, she said books, right? Yes. Oh yes. Do. Yes. Books. Um, I would say there's, if you want to do some feeling work, um, there is a great book called Voice of the Heart by Chip Dodd. There's also another one called Cry of the Soul by Dan Allender. Um, I've been, yes, Dan's great. Um, I've been finding poetry to be really cathartic these these days. So um, Mary Oliver has some great stuff. John O'Donohue has one of, I think, even if you just stop and go like Google, it's called a blessing for the one who is exhausted. I mean, for us fours, that's like salve to our, to our soul. Um, that's really, yeah. So poetry has been, been fantastic. And then I also recommend um, reading some fiction. So just to let our minds play and our imagination have some, have some free time that I think, this might not be the best time for like personal development and reading the really intense things. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yes. So I will, um, let's, I've definitely got this list of books um, from you, but I'll check that and we'll make sure that this is somewhere on the website as well. So yes. people don't have to be scribbling down furiously. Um, thank you. The, the second question was much longer. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read a little bit of it, um, but it is, Uh, an experience that people come to bread with a lot. It starts, I'm actually pretty nervous writing this. I haven't been to church in over a year. I've been pretty burned by other churches and religions altogether. It sounds like this person was a leader and um, then had some pretty traumatic experiences in church and has come away with the big fear of being manipulated and brainwashed. which is particularly difficult. Uh, This person has also been through a heavy depression and really didn't feel like um, 
the people that they uh, have called close friends in church um, were there for them and did, I guess, really into it, what they felt like they had been promised would happen um, yeah. in terms of looking out for each other at church. And I do have some thoughts on this, but um, you go. You share for, no, you share first. Well, it's, it's something that people come to bread with a lot. And I think that, not that we talk about our brand, but I think our, something that we work on really hard is that we, we, know, we know the era in which we live. We know that a lot of people in this town who come to this town have escaped something of their um, church experience in life and are not looking to replicate it. And actually many of the people that come to bed have left something and are looking for us to help them reaffirm something in a faith in God that they know that they had without something else. And I think what's so difficult about um, spiritual pain or pain at the hands of people that you sort of, you know, saw as spiritual leaders is that in general, I think that we all naturally see God through the light of, you know, through the reflection of what our leaders have represented to us. So the real pain isn't just what hurts on a relational level, but it's also because it's really hard to believe that that's not what God's like, either that he's exactly like those leaders or that he just sanctions them. He thinks it's fine, which we don't believe is true. And so we work really, really hard. Actually, all the time we talk about how we try to be very open about how broken we are as people, all of us, and that Ed and I aren't any different. And we try very hard to not ever sound like we're on some sort of pedestal or we see ourselves as kind of better than anyone else. Um, the reason we lead the church is because we believe God called us to do it and we've gone through a process of having to get past the things that make us doubt whether or not we'll be good at that. Um, as we all do, so ongoingly, we just try to encourage people to come with their doubts, to come with their questions. It's why we believe so passionately that Alpha is so good because it's this safe space to just ask your questions and recover a faith and recover a personal um, strength in your belief in your relationship with God rather than the one that we tell you you should have. Um, I think that, yeah, that's something, that's one of y'all's, the strengths of the church is that it's this really safe healing place for folks who have experienced abuse within the church um, and who are coming out of that, who don't want to necessarily give up their, their faith, but they do want to kind of break away from some of the toxic ideologies. And I think that y'all are such, yeah, that's one of your gifts. And I think that's one of the reasons that y'all are, that y'all are doing the work that you're doing is, is to help heal, heal those places. Um, so yeah. It does feel like it's a big part of why we're here. But yeah, go, go ahead on a, on a sort of more psychotherapist answer to this Psychotherapist question. answer. Um, I mean, I think that there's so many things, parts to think about. I, I also, I mean, just to, to start off with, like, spiritual abuse is real. Um, not that the creators of the DSM are, like, it, it is what it is, but they are. Um, there is talks in the next edition that there will be um, 
like a spirit, like kind of um, a diagnosis of spirit of, I don't know what it's exactly going to be called, but it's around spiritual PTSD because they're seeing such a huge influx in PTSD like symptoms that are directly connected to church or religious experiences. Um, wow. so I, to, just to validate that like, this is real. It does affect your psyche. It does affect your mental health and your well being, And it's something to be addressed. And you said that was going to be included in the next edition of the what? The D, sorry. So it's called the DSM. It's the diagnostic statistical manual. I probably got that wrong. <laughs> But that's the thing that all psychotherapists go to. That's the you, yeah, I, mean, I mean, loosely, yes, loosely. Like some people like are really, that's like a whole nother thing. If you work really intensely with diagnoses or not, I'm of the camp that we all fall somewhere on the spectrum and right. that it's not always super helpful to diagnose because we can take hold of those. But I do think it is really helpful to at least have a framework of like, this is you meet criteria for for someone who is depressed or someone who is anxious or someone who has an eating disorder so it is a really great framework and tool to have that is fascinating that spiritual abuse is and and its own special place in the book truly truly um so yeah so to to validate that and then something else I, i think a lot about is um that that you named that y'all do such a great job of is yeah, the humanness piece that I, I've, I've found it in the work that I do and in my own experience, there's this kind of, I don't think that we do it consciously, but, but unconsciously, if you're going to church, we're going to put people on pedestals and we're going to assume that these leaders and the people there, because they love Jesus, because they have the Holy Spirit within them, um, because they go to church are going to be great at doing conflict and taking care of each other. And I just like, I just don't think that we can put that high of expectations on people that we're all learning how to do this human thing. And it's oftentimes, especially with people coming out of these broken churches, there's more of a um, push. I, I experience it as like, you need to be not be human. Like you kind of need to kill off your humanness and be this really perfect. Like I I consider it like the Stepford wife of wife of Jesus. Like you need to have all, you need to do all of these things. Um, and, and that doesn't leave a lot of room for humanness. And I found that my mentor told, told me this and I found it to be true that conflict dealt with correctly breeds intimacy. Um, so it's not a question of, if there's conflict, but when, and will you be in community long enough to actually talk about it and to tell the truth about it and to receive the care and attunement? Because oftentimes it's a lot of miscommunication and we use our own stories that we've come from as to create these greater narratives of, well, she did this. So this means that she doesn't care. This means that she doesn't love me. And oftentimes it's like, wait, what, this was what I was thinking. But, but to get to that place where you both are able to tell the truth takes a lot of trust Mm -hmm. and it takes the commitment to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's just such a myth in churches and in other places, but that sort of a healthy environment doesn't involve conflict. So if you're, you can't, just say, hey, can we talk about this? Because, because the, the, you know, there just shouldn't be those feelings. Um, and we, yeah, we have experienced this in church. We have, we're, 
we are learning these things because um, it's not easy to to just say to someone this hurt I don't know if you know that but this hurt and I had someone recently do that call me up and just say um I need I need you to know that this hurt and like it was such a refreshing like I mean obviously I went through all my defenses and like no I didn't but it was such an incredible like this is how it can work she can say she's hurt I can explain I can say sorry I can explain that what my thinking was she might hear that we can come back to, and it was it was it was not an experience I have had a lot of in church before yeah I mean I I think too like you know, whenever I hear about spouses and they're like, we don't fight, that scares me a lot. <laughs> because I'm like, wait, no, like conflict's really good because it means that you have a voice and that you're safe. Um, and if, again, if you're two humans or if within a church, like you're not going to like everyone and you're not going to get along with everyone. That's just like, and that's not a bad thing. That's a human thing. Um, but yeah, well, we have the integrity and will we take responsibility of what's um, and really value what's happening inside of us? Like, will we value our hurt to have the the courage and the wherewithal to tell the other person? Um, and if they don't respond well, like they don't have to be, they might not be our people. Like we, we are probably going to be too much for some people and not enough for others. And that doesn't have to mean anything about us. It's just, it gets to mean like, we're two, we're two people or we're a community that we don't match. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything else that you want to say to the person from question number two? Um, keep asking your questions. I think that it's a gift to dis. I think that one of the greatest things you can do is distrust, but do it openly so that people can be in communication and dialogue with you and that, um, it doesn't, I read that question and I was not surprised that she found her way to bread. I'm assuming it's a, it's a, she said she was a she, right? I don't know. We have both assumed it. We both assumed it might, it might be a man who knows. Um, but it, it did not surprise me that that person found themselves at bread. So I think that, yeah, they are in for a real treat. Yeah. Try alpha if you haven't, if you're watching this. Um, it's what it's for. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> uh, grief is the subject of the third um, question. And actually, <clears throat> even since this question came in, I'm aware of a number of other people in our community that have lost someone close to them. And the question that came in was, a close colleague of mine has just died of COVID and I realise I'm grieving. But I'm feeling very overwhelmed by information about the grief process and I'd love some advice on where, on where to start. Mm-hmm. So sorry. This is, yeah, it's unprecedented. We don't have a framework. I mean, we have some frameworks for grief, but again, like novel virus, novel feelings, novel experiences, like they all go hand in hand. Um, Something I think about is, at least I remember it being taught in my, do you remember like the, um, the like five or six stages of grief? Do you remember being taught that? Like the denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Um, that actually has been, we were, that's at least it was taught to me that those are like pretty fixed ways that you go through. That's the grieving process. And, it's, and then you pass through it in one direction. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and it's later been, I laugh because it's, it's, it's been revised to say it's much, it's a much more fluid nonlinear experience of you can experience all, all places in a day and go back and forth. Like there's, that's the thing is there's not really a fixed way to grieve. Um, if you break apart the word emotion, it's emotion. So think about motion. Um, your grief wants to move through you as all of, as all feelings just want to move through you. And I think when we put these ideas around what it should look like, we end up stunting them. And so that's where we get this trapped, stuck energy and it can turn into headaches, IBS, all sorts of things. Like it just are everything, everything is connected. Um, and so I think about, yeah, that it's, it's not going to be, a, it's not a one size fits all. And I often look at what this person's story is. That's why I think therapy is uh, helpful here um, because I, I hold that their story and where they came from and their family of origin is also informing how they should or shouldn't be grieving and what this process should or shouldn't look like. And so part of the experience of therapy is to kind of look at these um, look at these themes and these frameworks that we're that we're that we've grown up in and see if they're still helpful or not, or, or are there new frameworks that we can create and build within. Um, but I think the biggest is to to trust what you need um, and to ask for what you need and to let it be a weird, messy experience, just because that's that's what grief. I think is, is it's really messy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, just, I think that, you know, I feel like the word unprecedented is overused at the minute, but the thing of this is, um, you know, it's very unlikely that we're not all going to know or know of someone who is taken by this thing. And there's something about just not being able to say goodbye properly at the minute that is just... Not heart-wrenching. So unnatural to the way that this process is supposed to work um and i think probably this is a very important conversation that we should keep having but we will cut it short there because um otherwise this is going to be so long that nobody will want to watch it yeah if you do have any more questions along these lines um it turns out zoom is very easy to record on so we can do this again and it's um no hardship for Blake or I to sit and look at each other's faces for a minute or two. It's been very, very nice to see you. Thank you for doing this for us. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here and I'm glad to be a part of this community. And I'm, yeah, I feel grateful that y'all um, that y'all value spiritual health with mental health. It says a lot. Well, we're learning lots, mm -hmm. but it's good. Catch you soon. Bye.